this moment, I believe that there are some of you, you've made some mistakes, some huge ones, and you feel that your faithlessness, that God has abandoned you because of it. And I'm here to tell you that is a total lie. I'm here to tell you the only unpardonable sin, according to the scripture, is to resist God's invitation for you to come to Jesus. In this culture so focused on personal performance, it's easy to let this mindset trickle into your interactions with the Lord. But today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that this isn't how God works. There's no such thing as a good Christian. There's only a good and faithful Jesus. You, like everyone else, are constantly messing up, choosing your way over His. But God's faithfulness never wavers. He's always ready and waiting to take you back. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Nehemiah chapter 9 as he continues his message, the past and the present. Really what they do is they praise God and then they go through this long synopsis of the story of the children of Israel from creation, which you get in Genesis chapters one and two, and then you move into the life of Abram, and then you move into what was going on in the book of Exodus with the children of Israel in Egypt, and then you move your way, God's deliverance from Egypt, and then you move into the the wilderness wanderings where the Lord provided for them. And over and over and over again in your Bible, you find this rehearsal of the history of the children of Israel. And one of the things that I love so much about these retellings of the story of the children of Israel is that the Bible is so honest. God did amazing things, but the people struggled. I mean, they they retell the story, and of course, they bring up the mistakes that were made. Notice, by the time you get to something like verse 16, but they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage, but you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in kindness, and you did not forsake them. See, here's the deal. For the children of Israel, the rehearsing of their story was their mistakes and God's faithfulness. They got things wrong, but God. And this type of thinking is very foreign to us because we live in a day and age where we all want to put our best foot forward. Right? And I don't think that's a bad thing wanting to put our best foot forward. But like it's amazing how often we can look back on a season and when we retell the synopsis of the story, we're always the hero of the story. Right? It's like, and for the children of Israel, they're always reminded that God's the hero of the story. That they needed deliverance, they needed forgiveness. God did a good thing, and they were a challenge in the midst of it. And I just love the fact that it's so honest. And, you know, you never want to forget where you've been. 
And the last thing you want to do is to make you the hero of every one of your stories. Because it's dishonest. God's the hero. That's what I always like to tell people, that a testimony is, a person has a testimony when they choose to tell their story with God at the center and not them. And for each one of us, if we're here today and we are followers of Jesus, then God has to be the center of your story. Because you begin to see how God redeems your mistakes. You begin to see how God works through the things that we would have rather have not had had happen and how God does an amazing work. And so much, I believe, of what God wants to do in each one of our lives is that work of redemption where we allow him to redeem where we've been and what we've been through, but we start to see him moving in the midst of all of it. It's been my prayers I've been preparing for this message because I realize that God's work of redemption, it, it doesn't take him time to do it. It takes us time to realize it. And my prayer has been for us as a church family, for each one of you in your own story, that you can begin to see the redemptive hand of God in some of this stuff. There's an old saying, if you can't see God in everything, you probably can't see him in anything. What would it look like for you to tell your story but to put God at the center. How different would that story look? You know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because of, you know, the culture in which we live today. You know, I, I love that we get to be here today for such a time as this, but our culture is really struggling in regards to how we see ourselves, our identity, Right? And, 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 and our culture right now, in this cultural moment in America, the overriding identity that everyone has is, a, is the identity of a victim. It's like, they call it the new victimocracy. Everyone is a victim now. Right? And, and what's amazing is, is when you think about that, like none of us can actually, we've never been in other people's shoes, so you really can't say anything about someone's story. Right? Like, you can't say, oh, listen, you know, oh, you know, you shouldn't feel that way, right? But, it, like, in a, in a culture where everyone is a victim, unless you find victimhood, then you kind of feel left out, right? Because our culture loves everyone, you know, everyone has the fear of missing out. But I started thinking about, but when you're a follower of Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. So the victim mindset, like if you're a follower of Jesus, actually, no, you're not a victim. You realize that there's a story there, but you're an overcomer because Jesus overcame. And God redeems the worst. And I'm not saying that people don't go through tragedy and people have not been legitimately victimized. I'm saying that what happens for the follower of Jesus is that all of a sudden, because of who Jesus is and what he's done, now we look through the lens of what we're experiencing. We're saying, that was really hard, but God did this. But God worked in this way. And then you start to see yourself not as a victim, but as an overcomer. And not as an overcomer because you're rooted in your victimhood. You're rooted in the finished work of Jesus. And I think it's one of the great strengths of following Jesus. 
If there was ever a person who could claim victimhood, it was Jesus. He never sinned and he was judged with all the sins of the world. Gosh! But he walked through that. Death couldn't hold him. And I see the children of Israel experiencing this same thing. They are so aware of their failings, but they're even more aware of the power of God. And I believe that part of the restoration work that God wants to do, not only just in this year, but the work of redemption he wants to do is he wants to move us from the brokenness that we've experienced in our own issues and move us into the power and the presence of God. But you can't forget where you've been. And I'm reminded, when I say don't forget where you've been, I'm also not saying that we should be living in our past either. Because there's a beautiful verse, Isaiah chapter 43, verses uh, 18 and 19 says it this way, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now I love that, because what he say? He's not, he's, when he says, do not remember the former things. He's not saying forget where you've been. He's saying just because it used to be that way doesn't mean it's going to be that way. Your past is what it is, but God wants to do something fresh. And what I've learned in in 20 years of following Jesus and spending a lot of time in pastoral ministry, we can always miss what God wants to do today by being focused on what God did in the past. Like, Past success is the greatest hindrance to future success. Because just because it worked in the past doesn't mean it's what God wants to do now. And so we have a tendency to have that glory days mentality. Like, oh man, like like some of you right now with all that's going on in the world, you're like, man, I just love the early 80s when Reagan was the president. Ooh, so good. Some of you don't even know who Reagan was. God bless you. I was just talking to someone, man, when Reagan was the president, it was amazing. I'm like, (laughs) you guys were still listening to disco in the 80s. You guys were smoking cigarettes in the 80s. You you guys had, you guys killed the ozone layer with your hairspray in the 80s. It's the glory days. (laughs) I'm just messing with you guys. But seriously, like, Maybe it was great, but it was yesterday. What does God want to do today? So we always have to remember where we've been, but don't try and live back where you used to. What I found with churches, especially churches, church movements, because they got used in the past, they want to stay just that way, thinking they'll be used in the future. It just never happens that way. The church always needs to adjust. The message doesn't adjust. But how we reach people, it's always needing to be adjusted. And in each one of our lives, God is constantly saying, look, I want you to remember where you've been. I want you to remember what I've done. I want you to remember that I did it despite you. And then I want to lead you into the future of what I have. So you see how they continue, and now they've kind of moved from the time in the wilderness to that time when they moved into the promised land. 
God's deliverance with, through, through Joshua. But even though God had done this great work, the people are still in this cycle of failing and then having hardship because of it. And, and it's just a great reminder that God is faithful even when we are not. Now that isn't a license for us to be unfaithful. But we have to realize that God is still faithful even when people are not. And I love that, the fact that God is faithful. I love the fact that even if I am imperfect, which I am so good at being, God is still perfect and faithful. And that's really the gospel now, isn't it? The gospel is not that we get everything right. The gospel is that we have failed and are in need of a savior and God gets everything right. And the children of Israel, as they're looking back over their past, as they're having these recitals and rehearsals of where they've been, we are reminded again of the fact that God does great work, but the people struggle. I mean, you go from, you know, verses 22 to 25, and it talks about how they got to walk into these great strong cities and how God did this amazing work and they, they dispossessed the people. Notice verse 26, nevertheless, they were disobedient, they rebelled against you and they cast their law behind their backs and they killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself and they worked great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them into the hands of your enemies. If you think of the book of, the, of Judges, the book of Judges has this cyclical story of God's deliverance, the people apostatizing or falling away from the Lord and then you know being exiled and then God delivering again. So we have this tendency to think, Man, if, if God just did great things, then we would be solid. And it's actually, no, oftentimes God does great things and we forget him pretty quickly. But even though we're faithless, God is faithful, right? And this reminds me of what? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, at this moment, I believe that there are some of you, you've made some mistakes, some huge ones. And you feel that your faithlessness, that God has abandoned you because of it. And I'm here to tell you that is a total lie. I'm here to tell you the only unpardonable sin according to the scripture is to resist God's invitation for you to come to Jesus. There is nothing, there's no mistake that you can make that is greater than the grace of God. There's no sin that you have committed that is stronger than the forgiveness that is offered in Jesus. And I realized, that, you know, as I was just talking to my son Obadiah about this, you know, he said, Dad, I, you know, I, I need, I really want to be a good Christian. I'm like, bro, there's no such thing. He's like, what? There's no such thing. I'm like, being a good Christian, this is a great, this is just a great Jesus. All the rest of us fail. You know, because again, it's so easy to have this performance mindset, right? Like, man, I'm a good Christian. Like, listen, I'm here to tell you, God doesn't love you more if you read your Bible every day. You'll know he loves you more if you do. 
But, but God isn't like, man, I really like that person because they are really, really, really a good Christian. I'm here to tell you there's no, a good Christian is someone who is in Christ, plain and simple. And we're all in Christ because of sheer grace. I'm here to tell you, and I know you guys have been around Crossroads long enough, you know that I'm not perfect. No one ever says to me, I hear pastors, people say this to them, like, man, you must be really close to God. I'm like, <laughs> no one says that to me, you know? <laughs> but here's the deal. In Christ, you are in Christ, and you are close to God. And it doesn't matter if you're like, man, I just came to know Jesus yesterday, or I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. It doesn't matter if you preach, or if you greet, or if you lead a small group, or if you're scared to step out and do the work of ministry. I'm here to tell you, because God is faithful, that you know him, and you are known by him. And as much as everybody should want to be faithful, and it is a fruit of the Spirit, if all of us look at our story, there are seasons of unfaithfulness. And I'm not talking about like infidelity, but I'm like, there are times when we don't trust God. There are times when we are presumptuous and we call it trusting God. Isn't that why God chose Peter to be one of the apostles? Classic example of presumption. And every turn, Peter's like, no one, I'll never deny you, Lord. Jesus is like, yeah, guess what? Before, before we see the sun come up tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. Never. And he... It's like when Jesus tells you how it's going down and you say, no, Lord, that's just dumb. But that's what happens. But I love the fact that when, when Jesus revealed himself in the resurrection to Mary Magdalene, go tell the apostles and Peter. Because Jesus didn't write Peter off because he screwed up. I actually believe that Peter needed that mistake so that he wasn't self-reliant in his apostleship. Remember how faithful he is. And I think for all of us now in this cultural moment, being able to realize that God is forever faithful should give us great hope for the future. Great hope for tomorrow. Great hope in what God is wanting to do. And so I love that. God is so faithful. Even when we're not. The children of Israel were all over the map. The early church, all over the map. You read church history, all over the map. But one thing remains absolutely consistent, is that God is absolutely faithful. Like, look at what it says in verse 31. I love this. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, do not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for you are God gracious and merciful. It's amazing in, in the midst of this prayer. It's like the people do all this bad stuff and it's like, and because of who you are, Lord, we're still here. And we want that but God way of moving through the world. But now what happens as we read this little last section here, you're gonna see it's gonna say now therefore. So for them, they're gonna move from the past to the present. As they bring this prayer to a close, really they're asking for one simple thing, and I believe it's something that we want to be praying the same way, is that we need to make room for God to move. 
We need to make room for God to move because they're saying, Lord, now therefore, because of who you are, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God, the God who keeps covenant and mercy, you see the issues. What's the issues? Even though they're in Jerusalem, even though with Nehemiah, the the walls have been built, even though everything is starting to roll, they're still under the oppression of the Medo-Persian Empire. They're like, you've given us this great land, but the kings, they're getting the fruit of what we're doing. And so really what they're saying is they're saying, God, we're here today. We're in the land that you gave us. Will you move in a way that we will be delivered? And I think what's so powerful about that is even because of their past, they know that God can do something extraordinary. They have that testimony. They've seen what God has done. They've heard since they were little kids about the amazing work that God did in Egypt with those 10 plagues. They've seen over and over and over again how these different things have gone on and how God has moved. And they're saying, Lord, in this situation, will you do something amazing? And that is the power of when you know who God is and you know how he wants to work. Because now all of a sudden you're like, Lord, how do you want to move in this situation? How, what is your plan, God? What would you like to do? How do you want to show yourself strong? And I think that in a lot of ways, that is such a powerful thing because you start to realize that there's no situation that God can't move in and through. And what it does is it gives us a way of looking at the world that is always on the lookout for what God is wanting to do. When was the last time you prayed, God, will you make some room in my life so that you can move in fresh ways? When was the last time you said, God, you know my boss is a challenging person. Will you move in it? When was the last time you said, God, with all that's going on in our world, will you make some room to use me in a way that I've never been used before? That's exactly what they're doing. They realize that there's struggles and there's trials and there's issues, but because God is faithful and because of their history, they trust that God is gonna do a work. And what's amazing is, he's always doing a work. So my brothers and sisters, listen, for you today, make room for God to move. And if you're feeling hopeless today, if you're feeling hopeless today, trust in the God of all hope. And if you can't fathom at all how God could possibly move in the midst of what you're going through. I want to encourage you just to stand back and see the salvation of your God. Amen. Jesus is real. There's something powerful about remembering. The Israelites realized that they had a tremendous backlog of moments that they'd seen God come through for them or their ancestors in mind-blowing ways. They knew he could do more than they could imagine. Today, Pastor Daniel challenged you to be like the Israelites and ask God to make a space in your life for him to move mightily. He wants to do a new thing 
a restorative work. He wants you to make yourself available to be a part of it. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues through this series called Honest, all about how God is rebuilding the people of Israel after their time in exile. Jesus wants you to follow him in the decisions you make so that you can blossom and thrive. This is God's hope for you a life overflowing with His goodness and presence. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Honest. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.